Really, it's good to see you this morning and uh, have the privilege to uh, share God's word with you. But uh, if you're wondering why it's fairly sparse up here in front, uh, Brent is all the way down in Hole in the Wall, uh, really slaving it out in Transcar. So, uh, Shane, please do pray for him. No, he's, uh, he's with a group of uh, other old uh, lead elders and they're enjoying some much needed time off and strengthening each other as well. And then... Quentin and Nikki, if you guys are watching, happy anniversary. It's the anniversary today, and I know that uh, Quentin only got back from business last night. So, uh, been away for 10 days and anniversary today. We can, uh, I'm sure we can grant him the day off today. So, uh, happy anniversary, guys, if you are watching. Father, thank you, Lord, for just the honor and the privilege once again to uh, delve into your word this morning, Lord. I pray that you'll come and speak clearly to us. Thank you that it's your word, Father. Thank you that we are merely vessels in uh, conveying your message this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you'll stir something up inside of our hearts. And I pray that your word will come out clearly. And uh, yeah, Father, that adjustments would take place if need be. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we are continuing our stronghold journey. And I'm sure you'll agree what a journey we've been on. And uh, we've been discussing t- some topics that, through possible wrong thinking or maybe agreeing with uh, enemy arguments, that has found us living in captivity rather than living in the freedom that God has for us. And uh, right off the bat, I, I really want to say I've enjoyed this journey. But I haven't. It's been tough, man. But then again, who likes going in for surgery? Unless you're weird and we'll pray for you afterwards. You see, the thing is, surgery hurts, and often recovery from surgery is painful as well. But the reason why we go in for surgery is so that hopefully we can find a new lease of life and the freedom that comes along with it. And this is what this journey has been for me and hopefully for you as well, that as difficult and as challenging and as painful sometimes that it has been to hear, I trust that some surgery, some adjustments are taking place, that by going under the knife, if we can call it that, that it's allowed us to help expose some areas, some strongholds in your life, and hopefully help us to begin to remove these strongholds so that we can walk in the fullness and freedom that God has for us. And I want to say I understand that some of these topics, some of these, uh, these things that we have been discussing have been pressing on some wounds that maybe you haven't given us permission to press on. But as a preaching team, we firmly believe that Jesus died for us and because of that has given us victory and freedom over these strongholds. So by the grace of God, and it's only by the grace of God we do this, I ask you the opportunity once again to possibly step on some toes this morning, not to expose you, but rather to help expose a possible stronghold in your life. So as mentioned earlier, strongholds are, are, are wrong thinking, wrong thought patterns, agreeing with the enemy, uh, enemy's arguments that, that has simply given the authority to the enemy to rule and reign in our lives. And I enjoyed, I've enjoyed this day call that, uh, that our wonderful team has put together that highlights the journey that we're on. We, we're moving from this place of the enemy, camping in the enemy's stronghold to a place where Jesus is our stronghold. And the freedom that comes along with it. And, you know, Quentin touched on this as well. We don't only get to find Jesus uh, when we've reached the end. But actually, we get to find Jesus over here. And he's prepared to journey with us to us becoming more like him. So today I want to chat around a topic that challenges me, honestly, on a daily basis. And this topic is this thing called bitterness. 
And for some reason, this is the second or third time I'm going to be preaching on bitterness, so I'm not sure what the preaching team is telling me, but we're going to go for it anyway. What if I told you that bitterness was one of the top wide open front doors that the enemy uses to gain access to your life and attack you? You see, unforgiveness and bitterness are like invisible chains. In other words, they're like a stronghold on your life that imprison us and hinders not only our relationship with God, but also with others as well. Unfortunately, we live in a fallen world, which means we will often face hurt, offense, and disappointment. And it's usually on a daily basis. And often it's the people that are closest to us that hurt us the most. The words, the actions, and sometimes even the inactions of ourselves and others can wound us to the core. Things like neglect, abuse, violence, betrayal, cruel words can cause bitterness to take roots in our heart. And to understand a little bit more about this thing called bitterness and why it is so destructive to live with, I want to have a look at a little bit of scripture in Hebrews where we can see that same term, to take root, used. But before we do so, just as a little bit of context to understand the scripture better, the, the author of Hebrews is speaking to a group of Christians who society and culture has turned against. And so what they find in it, they find it's ever more increasingly difficult to live up to these things called Christian standards, which I guess in a sense is wrong thinking in itself. I'm sure these days what we can see is we're feeling that pressure even more. But the reality, we don't live up to Christian standards, we live in relationship. And that's where we get our living standards, if you want to call it that. So Hebrews 12, 14 to 15 says this, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I want to push pause there a little bit. And I want to ask, have you ever noticed how society and culture is gearing up more and more towards efficient living? In business, for example, for example, I've noticed that the get-rich-overnight principle is becoming ever more prevalent. Hardly anyone wants to spend any time putting any effort into business these days. Have you ever heard the term, work smarter, not harder? That's the second thing an engineer is going to tell you. The first thing he'll tell you is that he's an engineer. <laughs> I don't want to work hard at it. I've got lots of engineer friends, and I love you guys. I don't want to work hard at it. I'd rather be smart about it. And that's the tendency about culture and society these days. We are all so focused on economizing our lives that so few of us are actually willing to put in every effort. And unfortunately, this filtered into our relationships with others as well. We are so focused on streamlining them, installing smart little Wi-Fi switches so that we have to simply put in less effort. This contradicts what Jesus stands for. Jesus is all about right relationship. And he, if he wasn't all about right relationship, then he wouldn't have come to restore right relationship between us and the Father. I want to ask us this morning, church, when last have we put every effort into our relationships with our fellow, fellow peers? I think so often we, we don't get the gist of that word every. 
And uh, I was trying to find a clever way to explain it, but the only thing, forgive me, I could come up with was this. Chuck Norris was once asked how many push-ups he could do. His response? All of them. All of them. There wasn't a number assigned to it. And that's the same where it says we should make every effort in our relationships with others. So keeping it simple this morning, I want to have a look at a couple qualities. We're going to call them traits. I don't think there's anything quality about bitterness. And then a couple of ways we can hopefully demolish this stronghold of bitterness. The first thing is, is bitterness is a hidden assassin. Bitterness is a hidden assassin. And enjoy how the author says, see to it that no bitter root grows up. Meaning we harbor this thing called bitterness beneath the surface of our lives. No one can see how big it is until you start yanking on it, trying to uproot it. You see, it what's, it's what lies beneath the surface of our lives that is slowly, that left unchecked, is slowly going to fester and grow deeper and deeper and rob us of the life that Jesus has for us. Sometimes there are roots beneath the surface that we don't even know exist. And if I am to be brutally honest this morning, which we always are, I get really worked up about such in, insignificant things. And some of you sitting there are going, I shame, Scott. Can I say that you are the same? You also get worked up about such insignificant things. But left unchecked, these seemingly insignificant things could germinate and turn into a root of bitterness which begins to rule our lives. Some of us here this morning are dealing with a life-paralyzing offense which started out just as that, a small seed of offense which has now taken root and turned into a root of bitterness. Maybe it was the abuse of a family member. Maybe it was the betrayal of a spouse. Maybe it was the deception of a business partner or friend. I want to say to us, church, this morning, holding on to this root of bitterness is poisonous for us. It is a hidden assassin on our lives. So often we hold on to this, this root because surely if we do, surely it's going to hurt and offend the other person. And you're probably right if they are aware of it. But can I say, you living with it is dangerous for you as well. A pastor was once called to the bedside of an elderly man, and I shared this before, that only had a few days left to live. And he was a man that nobody liked. He was hard, he was angry, and he was full of bitterness. And he lived up in the hills in a little beaten up old hut. And every time he came to town, he made sure that people knew that he didn't want to be spoken to, nor did he want to speak to anyone else. And people often wondered, what made this man so bitter and so angry? And they often discussed it and thought, oh, maybe he's a fugitive running away from the law. Maybe he had some, uh, some secret that he was trying to, to hide. But they were all wrong. The simple truth was, when he was a young man, a friend of his did something to him that that friend shouldn't have done. But in that moment, the man was so angry about it, he said, I'll remember this until my dying day. And he did. And he said to the pastor, I've gone over it every single morning. I've gone over it every single night. I've cursed that man at least a hundred times a day. But now I see that my bitterness has eaten out my own soul. My bitterness has truly hurt myself. My bitterness has turned my life into hell. 
Bitterness is a stronghold of wrong thinking that is destroying your very soul. Destroying your relationship with others, destroying your relationship with God, and destroying your chance of bearing good fruit for God. The root always determines the fruit. The root always determines the fruit. Bitter roots will always produce bitter fruit. And that's why I stick away from grapefruit. Must have a bitter root. Bitterness, the second trait of bitterness is it always poisons others as well. Verse 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. We've got to read our Bibles carefully because it doesn't say maybe cause trouble. It says to cause trouble and defile many. My family and I recently moved into a new property beginning of the year. And, we did, and when we did, the, the garden was overgrown. It was terrible. And uh, so there was a lot of work that needed to, to get done. So uh, being a good husband, I called in the professionals because I didn't have the tools to do so. And um, they began to chop and remove and take out things that would become a problem in, uh, in the future. And I distinctly remember walking one day with the owner of the company and he pointed out a couple trees to me and he said, listen, just keep an eye out on these trees because their root systems are known to spread quite rapidly. He said, just because you have a wall on the surface of your property doesn't mean the roots are not going to sneak in to your neighbor's yard as well. And this is what the author of Hebrews is referring to when he says, see to it that no root grows. Otherwise, it is bound to defile many. In other words, your bitter roots are going to spread into your neighbor's yard as well. Have you ever noticed how bitterness always wants to be broadcast? It's everywhere, on social media, on TV, if you still listen to the radio, it's there as well. If you get affected by listening to the radio or the news or reading the newspaper and you find your little seeds of offense, can I say maybe it's time to stop reading the newspaper so often and listening to the news Bitter people always want so many other people to join in on their misery. The problem is that is so far from God's word and what he wants for his children's lives. John 10.10 says, I've come to give life and life in abundance. Jesus never came to drag people into his misery. And so we should not be looking to drag people into our misery as well. If we're hanging on to, if we're harboring this root system of bitterness then you are simply going to be dragging them into being defiled as well. John 13, 34 to 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I am convinced that bitterness and a godly love cannot coexist in the same heart. I, um, I'm from the Eastern Cape, grew up in East London, moved to Port Elizabeth uh, to go and study. And uh, so I'm, I'm a, I'm a Oza, if I can say that. I'm a, I'm a trans cowboy, so I kind of have a little bit of jurisdiction here. But I was thinking what bitterness or the spreading of bitterness looks like. And I want to say it can be likened to an Oza wedding. You don't have to send out an invite for people to come. 
Let me tell you, if they see that marquee, they are coming. And if you, as the host, are harboring this thing called bitterness, then guess what you are going to be serving at your wedding? Bitterness. People are coming. You don't have to invite them into your bitterness. And then what happens is we simply become their stumbling block in their pursuit of Jesus and freedom. I remember a good few years ago, back in the Eastern Cape, I started a new job. And I was really excited about this one. It was a a good position for me at the time. And uh, super excited, full of passion, ready to knock the ball out the park. Until I met my operations manager. And I struggled for a word to call him. But let's just say he wasn't the brightest crayon in the box. And for the first few months of working there, obviously the armor was up. I was strong. I could handle it. But the way that this guy treated the employees, the way that he spoke to me, the way that he just dealt with everything, my patience was running out. And I remember distinctly having a a conversation with uh, my receiving manager at the time, and I just said to him, who just so happened to be my uncle, family are always the most honest, and I remember saying to him, I said, listen, I just, I can't do it anymore. I can't keep forgiving this guy on a daily basis. I mean, the way that he treats his staff, the way X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 it's not important. I can't keep forgiving him. And the receiving manager just turned back to me and he said, well, that's a pity. I said, well, what do you mean that's a pity? I mean, you can see the way that this guy is treating us. And he says, yeah, but by not forgiving him, you are simply turning into him. And his bitterness has influenced the way that you've been dealing with the staff over the last few months as well. You see, his bitterness had begun to influence me, and I'd simply begun to pass it on into my staff as well. Bitterness always poisons others. So how do we demolish the stronghold of bitterness then? And we've been looking at a good few weapons that we can use over this journey to demolish strongholds. And once again, I want to tap into two of them. And the first weapon we need to do to demolish this thing of bitterness is to expose it. Expose it. Super obvious, but we need to expose the root of bitterness should we want to honestly deal with it and allow God to help us deal with it as well. I love what Paul writes as part of his letter to the church in Ephesus. He says this in Ephesians 5.11. He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Strongholds, roots, love growing in the darkness. That's where they're most suited to. They love growing in the darkness. They cannot grow in the light. So by exposing them, we are killing them. Too many of us, church, are unwilling to call things out. And maybe it's, it's the fear of man. Maybe it's some pride that's been built up. Maybe it's something else. But the scripture does say that we should make every effort to actually go to the place of the wound and call it out. Some of us are bitter because of the death of a loved one. Some of us are bitter at a coworker for getting that promotion that we surely should have got. Some of us are bitter at our spouse. Some of us are bitter at a family member. Some of us are bitter at God for not dealing with our bitterness. But we have made no effort in calling this thing out. And if we're holding on to this thing called bitterness or any stronghold for that matter, then you're in prison and Jesus died so that you could be set free. 
You cannot heal from that that you are unwilling to admit and essentially expose. Bring it into the light and allow God to deal with your wound, church. Things, I love this, things that are brought into the light become visible and become a light for others as well. Instead of tripping them up, we help them. And uh, I, I really do encourage you to get super practical about it. I'm rooted, call it out, I'm rooted to this thing called bitterness. I hold defense in my heart because of X, Y, and Z. This weapon of community is crucial. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Admit it to one another so that you can be healed. And we mentioned this before. Maybe we are afraid to do so because of surely what will the other person think? Surely we're gonna, I'm going to lose respect with him. But quite the opposite actually happens. Compassion and respect usually flows. It's time for us to expose any roots of bitterness and let's allow God to deal with it. The second way that we are going to absolutely demolish the stronghold of bitterness is to cancel their debt. If we go back to the opening scripture in Hebrews, we see that the author states that we are to be sure not to miss the grace of God. Now the grace of God here is the fact that he sent his son to the cross so that we could be forgiven and healed. We didn't deserve it, we don't deserve it, and yet he still sent him, that's his grace. And we should, be see, to, we should see to it that we do not miss this grace and we do not fall short of it. Without the grace of God, we cannot break the stronghold of bitterness in our lives. And what I love about God's word is that there are so many stories in his word that helps us identify these things. And for me, the best illustration of canceling debt, we can read in Matthew 18. And it's a passage that I'd love to read out to you guys from 21 all the way down to 35. And it says this, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors were brought, to him, brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man before that he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison and to be tortured until he had paid his debt. Yikes. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. 
Can I remind you this morning, church, that we all had a debt to pay, a debt that without the grace and the mercy of God could not and would not have ever been paid off, and yet God, through his son Jesus, canceled our debt. And I know some of you might be sitting here this morning and saying, hey, Scott, if only you knew. If only you knew how they treated me, if only you knew what they did to me, you would never be able to forgive them as well. And I get that and I can appreciate that. And I fall short of the target as well. That's what it means to sin, to miss the mark, to miss that bullseye. But if that is your mentality, can I say this morning that you're simply given into a tactic of the devil that he's using to attack you and we are falling short of the grace of God. Sin is, sin is sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. Often I think we, we want to play judge to the, the severity of the sin. We say, well, if it's this big, then surely I can forgive you. But if it's this big, then, well, sorry, it's too big. I cannot forgive you. Canceling debt is difficult because it goes against the very grain of society and culture. Society says payback is the best medicine. One must get what they deserve. But actually we are called to be different because we are those who have experienced the goodness and the grace of God. I love that Jesus, as rightful judge, came down to earth and he was so quick to forgive and very slow to judge. And yet society and culture is so geared to pass judgment very quickly and so slow to forgive. Should we not, at the very least, be looking to eagerly cancel debts of those who have sinned against us and have done far less significant things to us than sending Jesus to the cross? And again, super practically, I say, begin intentionally saying, I choose to forgive you. I choose to cancel your debt against me. I love that uh, Maurelie has mentioned in her sermon that she hangs on to a truth verse which helps her through. And uh, if there was ever a truth verse that we should be holding on to regarding forgiveness, it's this one in Matthew six fourteen to 16. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Church, can I remind you again that Jesus cancelled your debt. He cancelled my debt. He cancelled our debt. Should we not be looking to extend that grace and follow his example? Is it easy? Absolutely not. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Jesus died so that we could live in a place of freedom with him as our stronghold. Not be camping in enemy grounds with the enemy having rule and reign over our lives. I really pray this morning that we would have the courage and the boldness to admit, expose anything to do with this thing called bitterness. That we'll hold on to God's word, hold on to that truth first, and allow him to perform some deep excavation this morning, should there be needing to remove some bitter roots. Amen? Won't you stand with me, please? Father, once again, we do... We do thank you for your word, Lord, and we thank you for this journey, Father. As difficult as it is, as challenging as it is for your people, for those preaching it, Lord, we, we thank you that your word is your word, Lord. 
And we thank you, Father, that you want us to live in a place of freedom, not in a place of captivity, Lord. And I pray, Lord, if, if there are any areas in our lives that, that we are harboring offense and bitterness, Lord, that you will help us expose it, that you would help us pin, pinpoint it. And, Father, I pray that you would help us build the courage and the boldness to be able to deal with it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the ultimate uh, you, you are the one that came t- to pay our debt. And Father, as your sons and daughters who have experienced your grace and your goodness, I pray that we would be able to extend your grace to others, that we would be able to cancel debt should they have offended us, Lord Jesus. So thank you, Lord, that you have come to give life and life in abundance. Thank you, Jesus, that once we know you, Father, that you demolish these things of strongholds, enemy strongholds in our life, and that we can walk in a place of freedom because of you and with you. So once again, Lord, we thank you for your word. Come and do some deep excavation in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Cheers.